Welcome back, everyone. This is Matt Cooley, host of Upside Downside, where we explore value creation and how the actions we take affect profits and cash flow. And we add some sense of humor to the mix because I like to think anyway, most finance people are actually pretty funny. By day, I'm the head of finance for Ericsson's global network platform API business and a self-professed nerd for value creation and how it impacts companies and everyday people. Back for another visit to Upside Downside is coach, consultant, company founder, and executive recruiter, Samuel Durgol. Welcome, Samuel. Thank you, Matthew. It's great to be back. All right. It's wonderful having you back. Are finance people funny, Samuel? Sure. <laughs> okay. I guess that one word response says it all. I've got a joke for you. How does Santa's accountant value his sleigh? How does Santa's accountant value his sleigh? Net present value, of course. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. I tried. I tried. It's good. Listen, your previous appearances on Upside Downside have been some of our most popular episodes because it seems everyone wants to know what's going on in the market for CFOs. And I, I think try and make sense of that market as well. <laughs> um, right. You've watched the CFO role evolve over a long period of time and helped companies adapt to that evolution through your work. What's going on in the market for CFOs right now? And is there a message or signal in there about value creation? CFOs should always be adding value and creating value in the organizations they're with, because if they're not, they can't uh, earn the salaries that they're asking for, which uh, in many cases can be quite high. Uh, so value creation uh, needs to be there, but what does value creation mean? Uh, I would say value is in the eye of the beholder. Um, and CFOs understand what their stakeholders want to see from value creation, then they can move towards that. Um, when CFOs fail, it's because they don't really understand what's re what's needed from them or, or there are competing uh, interests mm -hmm. in the creation of value. So is this coming up in conversations in the market now? Like how how does this play out uh, in the market right now? What's playing out in the market right now is is uh, the, the key driver for new CFO uh, roles is CEO roles. And over the last nine ah, months, okay, uh, CEO roles, uh, the number of change in CEO positions has been significant. Um, we track it with uh, our weekly CEO moves, uh, and it's a lot. So it goes back to why are CEOs uh, being replaced? Um, and the answer that I've been given for the last couple of years was, is your 2018 CEO is not your 2025 CEO. Um, you know, how much has the business world changed in the last years? Uh, significantly, the bu business world has changed. Your industry has changed. Your company has changed. Your your customers have changed. Uh, everything's changed. So, if you're still the same CEO driving the business, um, have you pivoted? Because if you haven't, uh, you'll be pivoted out. And so, all those new CEOs, uh, I will tell any CFO that asks, 
how long do they have until they know that they're safe um, with a new CEO? If they're there 12 months after the CEO's there, I would think that they're safe. But the reality is, is within six months, they're gone. So there's a pent-up <laughs> CFO change that's, that's really coming uh, down the pipe right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're seeing that. Uh, so, uh, that's, what's going on in the market right now. Wow. That's fascinating. I mean, we, we could talk for hours how to position for that, but, uh, wow. Okay. Um, so I, I read a recent post, um, or a recent piece, uh, by Deloitte where they interviewed several recruiters about CFO trends and, uh, I focused on this one for some reason. One of these recruiters said that data analytics skills are a big plus right now uh, because so few CFOs have them. And that struck me as interesting, um, sitting here in 2023, how you could be lacking those skills. And I wonder from your perspective, and maybe this is related to the first question we just had here, is where CFOs are right now on a continuum of, I'll call it value preservation versus value creation. Like, like what's going on with uh, data analytics skills in particular? Uh, so, so let's put data analytics aside. Uh, value creation is really key. Um, uh, data analytics is a subset of uh, value creation. Now, depending on the company, size of company, where they are, in their market space and, and how much revenue they're at and whether they're public or not. Um, you know, I would say on one side, you have your large company CFOs who um, never open Excel, okay? Because they have a team to be able to do all of that. The CFO in that, at that end of the spectrum is solely uh, relationship oriented. Uh, really very f- much focusing on uh, relationships inside and outside the business. Sure, they're doing some analysis, but yes, they have to understand what's going on. Um, but to go into the data analytics and figure it out themselves, I doubt it. Um, you know, the mid-sized uh, CFO is certainly going to be way more hands-on. Um, but, you know, data analytics for them would really be um having access to the data and playing with it from time to time to try to understand things by themselves but again um and i've said this for years since uh my book came out almost 10 years ago uh guide to cfo success uh a cfo can only be successful if they have a team that's strong enough to support them that allows them to add value to the organization they're with and that's still the case um Data analytics, they need to understand data analytics, um, but uh, should they be in the weeds with it? Maybe not. Right. Uh, that, that, that's a good point. It's where you are and, and um, what kind of CFO you are. But what other kinds of functional experiences are helping position you know, the next generation of CFOs? Uh you know, uh, it's uh, you know, public company CFOs. If they're larger, um, they're not really. You know, they would have an chief accounting officer or similar. 
So, you know, those CFOs would not necessarily have to come from uh, the accounting side. Um, there's, you know, there's a triangle. Okay? There's three sides of where CFOs can come from. Accounting side, the analytic, the, you know, FP&A side um, of the business, you know, more operational or the mm-hmm. fundraising side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how many, uh, uh, you know, IR people or um, buy side, sell side analysts end up uh, as CFOs, quite a few. Right. Uh, and why is that? Because the key to success of the business that that CFO is in is financing because that's where the time needs to be needs to be spent. Um, you know, the mechanics of of uh, the accounting or budgeting, those are mechanics and will be done by mechanics. Uh, CFOs are paid way too much to be mechanics. Okay. No, that, that all makes sense. And I think you're, you're laying out a, uh, almost a roadmap for, you know, listeners that are thinking about their careers um, and the types of skills that they need to, to build over time. Okay. Um, what are some of the big differences? And you've hit on a few of them already between uh, public versus private company CFOs and, and what are boards asking for in particular right now, as, as well as these CEOs? You know, boards, boards are fickle. Um, you know, we can use the word boards like um, they're a monolith thinker, as in the one person. <laughs> Most boards, um, you know, if you remember the multi-headed monster on Sesame Street, they're kind of like that. Mm-hmm. You know, saying one thing, saying another thing. Um, uh, there are different interests at the board level. Um, look, what a board member wants most is increase in value of the, of the business because they have some tie into it. Um, they want to make sure that the business is running well because that's, you know, they have that responsibility to the shareholders, um, and to make sure there's, there's nothing funny going on. Um, you know, that's what's driving them. And depending on how, how they got to the, to the table, they have different interests related to that. But, you know, what does the board want? Um, board wants all those things. And the CFO, uh, CEO is the driver of the business. CFO is the interpreter of what's actually going on in the business. Um, and, you know, a trustworthy CFO for the board helps them sleep better at night. So, so we started this off talking about the, you know, the, the pent up changes in, in CEO and CFO roles that, that's coming. And it's really being driven by the CEO, the change with the CEO role. Yes. What are, what are they looking for right now in a CFO, given that context, you know, thinking like, hey, I may not be around in a year or two. Um, my CFO might have to step up and and, and run this thing, for example. Um, what, what's going on in their mind in terms of what kind of CFO they want right now? I'm going to switch that around a little bit. Please. Uh, in conversations that I've had with CFOs who 
are open and candid and saying, well, you know, I, I don't know how much longer my CEO is going to be around um, because of board conversations, because of reading the tea leaves. Um, the CFOs that I coach, I asked them, I said, do you want to become CEO? They go, well, maybe. I said, well, do you have your plan? What do you mean? Do you have the plan if they call you on a Saturday and say they're, you know, the CEO's gone and they want you to be CEO? Do you have a plan? Do you have your deck that says, this is my vision, this is my plan, this is how we're going to get there? And, you know, boom, boom, boom. Because if you want it, you know the business. It's not like somebody's coming in from the outside and has to figure it out. Nobody knows the business more intimately than the CFO, uh, even the CEO. They very intimately know the business. So what would you do? And if you're, you want to be CEO, um, you need to have that hidden on your personal file. This is what I'm going to do. If I'm in charge, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, and the board's going to go, well, why didn't you tell us earlier? Because I wasn't, I couldn't tell you earlier, but, um, if you're asked a question, you have to be ready to answer it, not think about it. Um, you have to be able to say, yes, I want it. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, no, thank you. Uh, don't say, hmm, I don't know. Let me think about it. Uh, you're not going to last very long in that company if you say that. I, I, I love it. I can I can just see all folks uh, starting to prepare their, their pitches now, <laughs> if you haven't already, actually. Oh, that's great. Uh, some do, but but they they have it in their head. But you know, take a weekend um, and just and just put it in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you'll um, I think you'll find that it's really uh, it would be really helpful if you get the call, especially if you have that spidey sense that says, "Hey, I wouldn't be surprised if." Something's going to change. Yeah, that that's great. Wow, it's great advice. Um, okay, switching gears a little bit and, and sure. back sort of to the more functional here. Um, so much conversation going on right now about artificial intelligence, particularly generative yep. AI. What yep. um, I, I imagine this conversation is just part and parcel to lots of conversations in the uh, with CFOs right now. How? Is AI going to alter the value prop for finance over the next few years, particularly generative AI? Um, is Are you seeing finance as a leader in this area? And uh, I certainly have my opinions, but I want to hear yours. And, and why do you feel that way? Am I seeing them as leaders? Not you- necessarily. Um, should they be leaders? Can they be leaders? Look, I'll, I'll go across the board. If you're if you're a business leader in, in your business and you're not playing with AI to see how you can um, get the best out of it and understand it and know what it means and 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 how it can can improve your processes, how it can improve your cost structure, how it can improve your deliverables. I mean, if you just think about what generative AI can do at all the points of of the, the finance function. I mean, you know, for the last years, we've heard about RPA, robotic process automation, um, and so on. This is just the next level. Um, in theory, you should be able to do more with less, or at least do better with the same. Um, so that's the finance function part of it. But also, it's 
Um, you know, everybody looks to CFO to say, okay, how are we going to be more productive? Um, CFO has to be a leader within the organization that says, you know, what's your AI plan and how's that going to help your business and how's that going to help us, you know, not have to increase our budget uh, and allow us to improve our margins. What are you going to do about it? You and you and you and you and you and you and you. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I think given, given there are so many new emerging tools and conversations and, and all of that stuff, I think it behooves CFOs to really understand what problems they want to solve and whether or not these tools can do it right now or not, that that's sort of different, but you know, what's your stack rank list of problems that you need to solve and uh, how could AI particularly generative AI sort of slot into doing that over the next few years is, is something we, you know, we all have to be doing. Um, all right. where, where CFO has a strong relationship with the CIO. Um, they can accomplish a lot, you know, uh, finance would be back to pen and paper uh, and those old ledger books, if it wasn't for, for it. Um, and so <laughs> Um, it really is the ability to be able to say, okay, well, we have this fantastic uh, system that we're working with, uh, whether it's SAP or Oracle or whatever the case may be. Well, what can we do to be more productive? What can we do to cut our time to close? What can we do to, um, you know, all that time we're, we're putting together the proxy statement to go, why, you know, how can AI help us? I mean, just think about you know, notes to financial statements. I mean, please. Um, there, there's so much <laughs> that can be done. And, and I'm not in the role myself, right? So, um, but, you know, you got to be able to tinker a little bit. And if your CIO is a little bit of a tinkerer and likes to try new things, uh, and, you know, and and your ERP provider as well, I mean, they're... Uh, they're really looking at this. Have you talked to them about what they're what they're trying to do with it and wh- how it can make a difference to you? Yeah, exactly. I was just sitting here thinking, Chat GPT, write my annual report. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, Samuel. I'm very grateful that you took the time today to share your insights uh, with us here on Upside Downside. This is a great it's- update. Always a pleasure, Matthew. You know, I we how how many times have we done this so far? Uh, this is our third time, sir. Okay, well, it feels like a lot longer. I think that's a good thing. Um, uh, look, I, I appreciate your everything you try to do with Upside Downside. Thank you very much for the opportunity to speak my mind on a few things. Um, and uh, if you had me going for another 20, 30 minutes, I probably could fill up that space very easily. Uh, I, I don't doubt it. And it would all be fascinating. So I appreciate that. To our listeners, thank you for joining. And I want to mention, as some of you know already, I occasionally accept short consulting assignments and donate the revenues to charities. So if that's of interest, see the link in the episode notes for more information. And remember, there's a ton of value out there waiting to be created. So fire up those spreadsheets and we'll see you soon. Have a great day.